0: This is The School Bell, brought to you by Independent Schools Queensland, the peak body promoting, supporting and developing Queensland's independent schools. Parents are very savvy about school choice. Holistic education, one that develops all the dimensions of a child. It was
1: important for me to find a school that was suitable for both my kids.
0: Hello, I'm Shari Armistead, Director of Strategic Relations at Independent Schools Queensland. Welcome to the School Bell, a podcast about issues of importance to Queensland independent schools. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Catherine Ball about artificial intelligence, drones, and robotics in schools, and how these are negotiated in the community. Dr. Ball is an author, founder, executive director and ethics advocate working across global projects where emerging technologies meet humanitarian, education and environmental needs. She also likes to create businesses. A sought after voice across the startup and tech world, Catherine works across a wide range of global projects from creating world leading conferences and events to using drones to kill weeds on rocky cliff faces. Most recently, Catherine has created World of Drones Education, which is set to be the Netflix of STEM resources for teachers, educators, corporates and parents. Welcome, Catherine, to the School Bell.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Ding, ding. I love it. What a great, great title for a podcast. It is.
0: It's fun, isn't it? Look, thank you so much. You know, you were actually originally from the UK and work globally, of course, but we're very fortunate to have you living here in Queensland. Um, you have won many awards, including the 2015 Telstra Queensland Business Woman of the Year. So we are definitely claiming you, Catherine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can have me. You can have me. I'm actually formerly Australian now as well. So no, I love Queensland. It's, um, it's a really special place.
0: So drones can swim, can fly, can crawl, can walk can drive, and drive do all sorts of things how do they benefit school students of part of their education and can you tell us about some of the ones in particular in Queensland that you might work with?
1: Yes, so I've been working with a number of independent schools and state schools across Queensland Um, and what we've been looking at is how you can actually integrate drones into the classroom but not necessarily just for STEM subjects for other aspects too and also in a crowded curriculum it's a difficult thing for teachers to take on new technologies if it seems like they're going to have to be a brand new curriculum all for themselves and this is where drones and robotics I think can be quite beautiful in that they can actually stretch across all parts of the curriculum from the arts, To PE, to um, talking about legal and ethical issues, through to working out the mathematics of flight, through to actually creating and mapping, you know, geospatial data based on, say, for example, a post cyclone map or something like that. So you can introduce real humanitarian and environmental uh, projects as, as classroom case studies um, to allow kids to see how these robotics are actually going to be used and are being used in the real world. So drones, you know, they're very exciting, but um, it's an unfortunate thing that they've got bad PR attached to them. A lot of parents ask me, why would we be teaching these weapons of death in the classroom? And I'm like, well, look, they're not weapons of death, really. The the commercial drones that we use are humanitarian and environmental monitoring tools, reconnaissance aircraft or sampling methodology. Um, I've recently been a judge on an XPRIZE, which is a global organisation that organises audacious competitions. And in fact, a bunch of school kids are actually part of that from the from the states not unfortunately from queensland but there's x prizes that are coming to queensland the idea about the ocean discovery x prize was that we were mapping the ocean floor using drones so underwater drones that can deep dive and map the ocean floor these are the stories we need to tell the media tend to like clickbaity type issues around drone technology so when i explain that to parents they really are then quite enamored with this idea of well actually yes And Forbes magazine a few years ago worked out that 10% of future jobs are going to be directly related to the drone and robotics industry.
0: Wow. Well, that's really important for kids, isn't it? Like you said. But look, as you said, and that's the word exciting, isn't it? This sort of technology is so exciting for students, but it's people of all ages are really captivated by it. But drones can be invasive. And surely, as you've said, from the parents' concerns, mm-hmm. there are privacy issues. Now, I know you've been leading the call for discussions around the ethics of spatial data and the commercial drone operations. What sort of rules and regulations are there for users to negotiate and in particular for schools to comply with? and of course teach their students.
1: So the way that CASA, which is the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, who are in charge of all our airspace safety, the way they deal with drones isn't actually that friendly for educators or teachers. And I've been actually almost harassing them (laughs) via various means to try and get decent best practice guidelines out for teachers. Now we're expecting those to come this year at some point. So June 2019, there's going to be a slight change in how you can actually handle drones, either as a recreational user or as a commercial user, which is how they split the environment right now. Teachers can be classed as recreational users, which is great, because it means that you don't have to pay all of the large registration fees that are going to come in for the commercial drones. Um, We actually think schools should be exempted from any registration fees, but we'll see how that goes. Um, The idea that teachers in a classroom, if your drone weighs less than 100 grams, so it's classed as a micro drone, we've been trying to get decent solid you know, outputs from CASA around this. And there's been a bit of backwards and forwards, but the ultimate thing now is if you're a teacher operating Parrot Mambos or DJI Tellos in the classroom, then you're exempted from the 30 metre rule, which means you don't need to have the nets up unless your health and safety risk assessment says that you should have the nets up. Um, In terms of CASA, they do regulate indoors usage, which was something that was a bit of a surprise to me a few years ago. I was thinking, why would you care about these little toys flying around a classroom? But apparently someone did. Um, but the ultimate end goal now is if you're a teacher, then your class is a recreational user. Where it becomes tricky is if schools hire third parties to bring drones into schools, they are not exempted from those rules. And so the larger the drone, the more complex the management for the school schools across Queensland I know are successfully having nine and 10 year olds fly you know some of the larger drones because they train them up and they safely learn how to do it um, it can be done and on world of drones all teachers and educators are welcome to sign up to that completely for free and in there we've got a comprehensive guide to introducing drones into schools and this includes the risk assessment aspects and the CASA aspects too that's really so useful. it has been yeah. a bit of a yeah I created this because I was I was I was watching the industry trying to see schools as a source of money for them. And I was like, well, this is wrong because if you want to have a safe drone industry, you need kids behaving properly, kids telling their parents how to behave properly. Um, And so we have a safe airspace where everyone's following the rules. And we all know that education is better than regulation. Um, And so to get those messages, yeah, to get those messages into the classroom, to empower teachers and educate the kids, for me, I was like, we've got to get some resources that everyone can access.
0: The world of drones education has been going for how long?
1: Since September. Um, so I, I evolved it out of a company I used to operate called She Flies, which um, I used to have um, a business partnership around that. And we broke that business up. Um, and I created World of Drones Education because I also own and operate World of Drones Congress. And so I wanted the Congress and the education aspects to feed into each other. Um, and so we actually have um, at World of Drones Congress, which is in Brisbane in September, it's always in Brisbane, September 26th and 27th, we have got an education theme and focus through it. People can class time towards their um, annual registration time as a registered teacher in Queensland. Um, And I've got a 50% discount for all teachers and educators to come to the Congress as well. I'm a big believer in accessibility to this. The tech industry, when I say I like to demystify it, I I really think sometimes robotics um, and um, drone people like to almost build like an ivory tower around them, like they're doing something that's amazing that no one else can get their hands on. And that's just so wrong and so far from the truth. Drone technology has become so user-friendly. Um, we actually now have um, University of Queensland controlling drones with their brains. Like they've got the Queensland Brain Institute where they're able, actually, they're able to actually just think and watch the drones fly, how they teach it, how they think. So controlling a drone is going to become less thumbs on sticks, more automated, more pre-programmed, and maybe even with using um, you know, cognitive control from people's brains. Simply
0: incorporating technology such as drones and robotics into the curriculum isn't obviously enough. There's got to be, um, but is the exposure for the students to this sort of technology the start? But it, as you said, there's so much more than just the exposure. So how do you see the best use of this technology in schools?
1: Some of the really great programs that I've seen that have been um, very well done, actually, um, involve mapping so you can map your school grounds or you can map over an image of a satellite for example and you can actually program little drones to do Um, automated as we call it not autonomous automated mapping which produces an image where you can do like a before and after assessment for example of a made-up fire example or a cyclone example so when we see these incidents happening on the news and people say oh they're pushing drones up to see the damage kids will go we did that in the classroom that's a real example of how we can use this technology for good Um, I think every time I talk to a teacher they think of a new way to actually apply it is quite wonderful. Recently, um, I managed to get um, a donation of time from Remote Aviation, who's a a drone license training company based here in Queensland. um, And they put eight teachers through the drone license for free. So we could see what it was that teachers actually needed from the drone license process. And one of the teachers was saying to me yesterday that she didn't realize how much she'd learned when she was younger around weather systems and meteorology um, and math- the maths of, how- of flight. And going through this drone license, she was just you know, remembering all of these things and she could see more and more connections to curriculum as she went through that drone license Um, program and got her drone license passed successfully and it also means now that she feels much more comfortable to see how robotics and drone technology can actually tap into various parts of the curriculum. Um, Some of the schools we found where they've particularly enjoyed it is where there have been kids who are a bit disruptive or kids who are um, maybe not typical neurotypical learners. They really enjoy getting their hands on the sticks and programming the drones and having that kinesthetic approach to understanding the concepts. And of course, drone technology links very nicely into all the digital technologies curriculum. Again, on our website, we've got all of the mapping of the curriculum there from years five to ten for people to access. Um, And I've been working with Anna Kinane at Queensland College of Teachers to to try and work out what teachers might actually need or what resources might be best and most appropriate. So I'm always happy to hear from teachers about what they would like to know um, or they would like to see built into the resources we have online. I'm really happy with it. Everyone seems, really, everyone seems really happy and switched on with it. So I'm really glad of that. Well, you but, mentioned a lot um,
0: about the curriculum and that's excellent that you have those links because, of course, the Australian State and Commonwealth Education Ministers are currently reviewing the nation's goals for schooling. And what what goals do you think and believe that should be included for the future?
1: You know, I think the digital technologies curriculum is actually a cracking, cracking futurist, futurist as we would call it, curriculum, because it's not about the technology And this is the key thing, right? Drones, really, when you look at it, when you're teaching flight, that's one thing. But drones are a pathway to, say, an astronaut career. Drones are a pathway to, you know, a road planning, town planning career. Drones are a pathway to um, someone designing submarines. Just getting kids' hands on technology that shows them how it moves and how it collects data and how it uses data Um, for me that's where the digital technologies curriculum is really spot-on it's technology agnostic it's all about solving problems and so um, Anna Kinane was telling me that she'd been using me as an example in one of her PowerPoint presentations Um, and just very quickly the reason I got the Telstra awards and various other things was my my breakthrough project in Western Australia was flying not personally I hired people that had thousands of hours on these long-range equipment but um, you know these were half a and million dollar Kevin's. aircraft that we were flying. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was gonna say it's a half million dollar aircraft. I don't want to fly that thing. <laughs> um and uh, so we took what was being used to look for insurgents in Afghanistan and we used it to look for turtles in Western Australia. technology itself was not the innovation the novel thing was the way we'd applied it and we were flying it off the satellite network 300 kilometers from where we launched it collecting information that was one centimeter in resolution vertically and horizontally i could build beautiful 3d maps from that photogrammetry from those photographs where you overlap them and build these beautiful 3d models where my turtle experts could then go through and work out what turtle species had crawled and whether she'd put a nest or whether just done a false crawl. And we had teams on the ground at the time so we could ground truth all the data. And it was when I first saw the imagery that came off those drones. So for me, it was about the data, not the drone. The imagery that came off that, I was like, <laughs> David Attenborough would buy me a beer if he saw this. It was, it made me, it, I was sat at work when these first images came through and I was literally crying. I was just hit so emotionally by the beauty of Australia and the beauty of our wild spaces and the fact that we were able to capture dolphins, you know, hunting bait balls of fish and seagulls not even reacting to us because the drone was big enough and far enough away that Mother Nature did not know that we were looking at her. And that, as an environmental scientist, is gold. Sampling bias is a huge issue. So Anna had always been using me as this example of the digital technologies curriculum because I had a problem. I had offshore turtle nests that were very dangerous to get people out there you know we had Irukandji jellyfish sharks all of the nasty things that bite you and want to kill you in the northwest shelf of western Australia <laughs> and every day I'd get a phone call uh, basically telling me that no one had been injured or died on site and that's, you know you sit there and you think as a scientist there's got to be a better way to get this data there's got to be a better way to get this information but because of cloud cover we couldn't use satellites because of the distances we were dealing with you couldn't use the helicopters And because of the detail that we needed, that high resolution we needed, you couldn't use a manned aircraft because they fly too fast and the cameras aren't quite big enough or good enough to be on the planes. Um, And so the drones were the Goldilocks solution. They were the perfect solution. So it may well be in 10 years time that drones won't be that solution, but that was the solution to me back in 2012, 2013, which wow. seems like a long time ago now. <laughs> um, so so what, yeah.
0: you, what are the greatest challenges that you see schools facing now regarding their educational and social role in the society?
1: Well, one of the things that we've made very clear with our resources is that the safety aspects and the regulation aspects are there as lesson plans. So you can actually talk about airspace regulation and talk about airspace safety. One of the things that we know is going to be, well, let's put it this way. There's ways in which get, what happened at Gatwick, you know, with that so-called drone shutting the airport down. Oh, yes. We have, um, yeah, we have anti-drone systems across Queensland. We have an anti, we've got anti-drone ecosystem um, across Australia, which is watching and learning. Um, add that to registration. Um, the idea that people will be able to fly drones for naughty reasons is going to reduce because we will be able to identify who's bought the drone who's flying the drone who does it belong to and so now if you go and buy a sim card from a telstra shop whatever you have to show photo id if you go and buy a drone you don't have to show anything but When you're using an iPad or an iPhone to control that drone, there are systems that are able to read what the drone is and who's controlling it. And once they know your IP address, they know your SIM card, they know who you are. So this idea of illegal drone activity Touchwood, we've been very lucky. We had the Commonwealth Games. We had the full anti-drone ecosystem, even with the anti-drone radar guns, which are very highly regulated—not something that's going to come in a handbag size anytime soon for us all to carry with us. <laughs> but um, we, we had, um, I think, seven incursions into the outer area and zero incursions into the secure area at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, and that was a very tightly um, planned anti-drone approach for the Com Games, working very tightly with the London 2012. Uh, police in the UK and doing a lot of information sharing uh, through the Five Eyes network and all that kind of stuff. So in Australia, the anti-drone ecosystem is actually becoming just as, vi- just as economically viable as the actual drone ecosystem. And so you can start looking at applying, you know, ecological tenants to this. It's like the Lynx and Hare Volterra population models, isn't it? All the drones get bought, then all the anti-drone systems get bought, and then different drones get bought, and different anti-drone systems get bought. And we'll have this um, management of airspace using AI, using something called unmanned traffic management or UTM, which people might hear of. Um, And so education, though, is still the best thing. CASA is going to crack down, and this anti-drone ecosystem is really going to start kicking in, I think. There'll be larger fines that get put out, and I think once you can actually track individual drones, what can happen is during the G20, when we had all the Brisbane CBD closed off for security, um, it was actually a terrorism offence to have a drone on your person So there are different ways in which the law will actually stop people using drones for negative purposes. Um, I'd say to parents, the major thing actually that people do wrong with drones is not actually that nefarious. It's actually just people just being a bit cheeky or a bit silly. So on the Gold Coast, for example, a friend of mine snorkels and he picks up drones when he's snorkeling almost every time he goes out because people are flying them, not really knowing what they're doing, and then they're dropping into the water. And then you don't get them back. And there goes that $2,000 Christmas present. Um, So I think for, for parents, really, you know, learning about the ethics of drones at school and learning how to control the micro drones at school is one thing. But if parents are wanting or buying their kids or even have the larger drones themselves, I really recommend that they spend some money on getting their drone license.
0: Yes. Well, well, the how-to is very important and obviously for education because teachers, if they're trying to teach their students, they need to know how to do it themselves. So is there some credible place or is this through you that you can teach teachers?
1: Well, this is where we did that trial with Remote Aviation where we put those eight teachers through for free. Now, normally it would cost about $1,000 to get your drone license, but the labs at Remote Aviation are working out some cheaper prices for teachers. Um, And so if people are interested in getting their drone license, which I actually do think is worth doing for a school because it also allows you to access insurances and it also allows you to have you know, you're defensible in front of, if anything goes wrong, you can go, look, I've got my drone license, I've got my insurances, I've got this, this went wrong. It's much better than going, "Uh, uh, we bought a Mavic and flew it and it crashed. Um, So I think that um, not only was that teacher mentioning to me how great it was to see the curriculum links, but her confidence levels in operating the larger drones at schools now and her understanding of the regulations has increased, you know, a thousandfold. She was incredibly happy. So if people are interested in doing their drone license at a discounted rate, please, Feel free to get in touch and I can connect you with um, remote aviation. So we do it on a weekend during the school holidays because there's 20 hours of online learning first and then just the weekend to actually get the exam and do your flight trial. So rather than five days in a classroom it's just two days in the in field.
0: So what capabilities and especially the mindset do you think should be in a 21st century year 12 graduate? What do they need to leave with?
1: Do You know what people ask me this you know if there was something they could teach their 17 year old what would I tell them to teach them and my biggest thing is that they need to be able to Um, detect what's real and what's fake Um, you know in this social media driven world these algorithms that are just pushing us to cannibalize our own ideas my biggest piece of advice to people because I think it was one of the big formative things that I did was I did a gap year to Zambia in Africa uh, when I was 18 and I went out and I worked with HIV AIDS orphans and vulnerable children Um, and I worked in a community with a grassroots organization and what a way to get a slap in the face of how the world really works I think Get, you know getting ourselves onto different horizons traveling and seeing these things um, going with organized groups I'm not just saying people should just throw their kids on planes of course you know going with organized groups like I did um, where they actually have projects that are properly um, arranged around you know keeping them safe and and, and doing good work um, I think they're really good ideas travel for me um, has, has been you know one of the biggest joys in my life and I still adore it now Um, so yeah traveling to new horizons I think is something and challenging ourselves you know getting into situations uh, you know which challenge you looking and meeting people who are different from you I think I really worry that when I see all these yeah the way social media just really if you don't like something now you can just unfollow it I, I force myself to actually look at social media of things that I don't agree with I think that we're too good at listening to respond and be angry rather than listening to try and understand how someone could actually get to that other opinion. Yeah. Challenge the ideas of technology and what role we want it to play in our lives because the technology is coming, right? AI is coming, drones are coming. What do we want from them as society? And this is where we need to have people are not only informed, but also have the strong spine where they say, we don't want to have drone corridors just over lower socioeconomic areas. That's not fair. That's not right. We should share the burden, you know, equally across society if we want to have air corridors for drones, for example. Um, the fact that we need to make sure that there's fairness, And and the digital divide is a huge issue that's a bit of an elephant in the room. The fact that not every Australian has equal access to these technologies is something I think we should all be mindful of and careful of um, Mm. as well.
0: So what does a successful 21st century school look like to you and what are the key attributes and have you seen it done well somewhere that you can tell us about?
1: Well, one of the things that I worry about, again, with teachers in schools is there's a huge pressure to bring in iPads or computers or that kind of technology. I still feel like there's something, and in fact, students still tell me now that they don't do work on their iPads sometimes. They actually still write things out because otherwise they don't think about it properly. Um, And there's this whole push now around uh, neuroplasticity, around developing long neurons rather than short neurons. Um, And there's a great book called the shallows, which is about how the internet is changing our brain. Um, And it talks a lot about recall. It talks a lot about cognitive, um, uh, cognitive strength, basically. So, you know, reading and writing are still key aspects to the developing brain. And I'm sure I'm not an expert in this, but it's something that I've noticed when I was in Germany and you think Germany, you know, top technology company, you know, top technology country, all the big um, car people, all the big airline people, they're all like German based. And so I went and I said, well, so how are you flying drones in schools? And they were like, Catherine, we don't have technology in schools. We still believe that teaching and traditional methods should be pens and paper and non-digital. And all the digital stuff happens as extracurricular or at home. And I was was quite flummoxed by that because we have a big push, don't we, to have smart whiteboards and computers on wheels and iPads and things in the classroom. But I'm sure... Yeah, coding and robotics. Well, you know, for me, coding is another language. So coding should actually be in the language school. (laughs) Coding shouldn't be in a STEM classroom. Coding should be in a language classroom. And this is where I think languages are actually incredibly important. So learning a language and learning to speak another language isn't just necessarily about grammatical syntax. It's also about cultural um, exchange. Um, but the idea that you can learn how to code things differently in your brain and I speak a number of languages and I think that actually is part of the reasons why I have quite a good analytical head um, and I love languages and I almost went into European law and as a British person wouldn't that have been ironic if I'd done that I'd probably be out of a job now with Brexit but um, <laughs> I, I almost went into um, European law because my languages were so strong and I was really torn between the sciences and the languages. Um, and I think a lot of teachers will recognise that in some of their students too. That when they're a good, when they're, when they're good across a lot of broad range of subjects, it's difficult to keep the girls interested in STEM, for example. So we need to make sure there's relevant role modelling and relevant examples where they can see themselves in those STEM careers. Well, but you're yeah, a so in marvellous terms of role in... model
0: for school students, <laughs> especially for the females, and I'm sure that when you go to schools, you get that uh, response.
1: Yes. And also the boys too. I think um, one of the things I read recently was that if boys see female role models in the STEM field, they can still see themselves doing it because of all of the other things they see in their day-to-day lives. But if girls only see men in these roles, then they never see any other versions of that. And I've got friends whose sons, um, you know, when they go to see the doctor, for example, and if their regular female doctor isn't there and they get a male doctor, they're like, but mummy, they're a man. How are they a doctor? And I'm just like, oh. that's so cute. Um, <laughs> so cute. Um But I think we need to make sure that we, um, whilst we're empowering girls, that we don't disenfranchise boys. And I I think that's where World of Drones Education and the Congress, we are 50-50 gender diversity across all of our case studies. And I'm really proud to say that the Congress is 50-50 across all levels of speakers in terms of gender diversity, which means we are the most gender diverse tech conference I've ever heard of. Um, And you've just got to own it and do it. it concerns me that i think that teachers probably feel that they have to adopt technology in the classrooms where they 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 know how to teach and i think this comes back to the empowerment of teachers to say hang on we know that ipads are great but you know we know virtual reality is great but for example with virtual reality goggles they actually don't advise that children under a certain age i think it's 12 and i can stand corrected on that but i believe it's 12 years of age and under should not actually spend any time or much time at all in virtual reality goggles because of the way their eyes are developing. Um, and so technology that we've got, like our iPads and our iPhones and our virtual reality goggles, they've been developed for adult use. How you translate that to use in a classroom i'm still i 'm juries out on that and I'm, I'm listening to a lot of teachers with their concerns around you know you put iPads into all the kids' hands and the classroom goes silent because they 're not talking to each other anymore they 're not working as a team and in fact, teamwork is actually key now when we look at the development of the gig economy, which is going to be an important economic part of Australia um, the gig economy key, a gig economy is going to go. All the way to the c-suite it's not just going to be about waiters and waitresses um, and, and temporary you know work it's actually going to be like how i work i, I work myself on my own i'm in my own gig economy I, I work across the six startups that i have um i am i am kind of atypical at the moment but i am going to be typical in the next 10 years and in fact of Australians are going to be in the gig economy in the next 10 years. So all of your 10-year-olds now, by the time they're 20, will likely have their own startup, their own business, or be working in the gig economy just as much as they're likely to be working in an office job. And I think that's a really important thing. So entrepreneurial skills, business mind, um, being able to work independently, but crucially, being able to work in a team of diverse people is absolutely key to future success in employment.
0: Well, speaking of futures, that's perfect segue into our um, our final question I wanted to ask you about, which is, of course, you'll be speaking at, on the 29th of May in Brisbane at the ISQ State Forum Think Next. So what's your message to school leaders and um, board chairs and the people in schools across Queensland and why they should come and listen to you at the State Forum?
1: well I would also like to talk to the people that are there as well as as present to them and I I think that um, as a person in industry that's trying to work with the education environment um, I can only say I'm learning about how the how complex things are inside schools but with regards to technology it shouldn't be expensive for people to get their hands on it people should be accessible I know lots of people in the tech industry that want to talk to schools more but don't know how to connect with them Um, I'll be obviously talking about some of the highlights and opportunities that we have as Australians we are punching a Of our weight as a country in many different ways, drone technology being one, AI being another. there's lots of um, really cool award-winning science that comes out of Australia that a lot of people don't even know is Australian, like Wi-Fi, for example. The amount of people I know that don't know that Wi-Fi is actually taxpayer-funded Australian invention, which kind of has changed the world. Um, you know, so just really highlighting some of the ways in which we can be proud as Australians. We have this can-do. We have this ethical and technological framework that allows us to lead the world uh, where other countries can't really get their heads around how to do certain things, Australia is already doing it. Um, so yes, I, I'm very positively minded about the future. I think our schools are doing a great job. I think that introduction of technology shouldn't just be for technology's sake um, and that's where it's most successfully delivered I've seen inside schools.
0: So your message to the um, principals and the leaders is don't be afraid but embrace?
1: Oh, embrace, embrace and say what you want. The more we understand technology, the more we can say what we want from technology. In terms of getting things like drones into schools, it's been tried now for a few years and now is the perfect time to dip your toe into the drone environment where things are pretty much well understood for schools now um, and there's lots of resources and help and collegiate support available to getting drones into schools.
0: Catherine, it's been a delight speaking to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you speaking to the school bell.
1: Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And um, yes, I look forward to meeting everyone at the get together at the end of May. You have been listening
0: to The School Bell, an Independent Schools Queensland podcast. To learn more about Independent Schools Queensland, visit our website isq.qld.edu.au. To catch our next episode, you can subscribe to ISQ's The School Bell on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere you get your podcasts.